0: CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about
1: the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag operations and hashtag management. Today's topic is optimizing business operations in real time. And our guest for today's show is Stephen Elkins, who is the Chief Information Officer, City of Austin, Texas. How are you, Stephen?
2: I'm doing great today. Thank you for having me on.
1: Oh, definitely. The honors all ours. So we are looking essentially uh, for an elephant to dance. That is, have a, a huge business operation, in case of your city, for example, to react quickly, literally in real time if possible, and change to the situations and events and morph and transform itself. While that is a holy grail for most of the organizations Can it be done in a realistic manner? Can it be done in a consistent manner? And what does it take? What all resources have to come together? How IT plays a role? So that's what we are here to discuss. With that said, when we look at uh, an organization, which is, of course, supposed to be stable, because that's what organizations want, that they want to be able to, in a predictable manner, deliver to the promises that they have made. On the other hand, you have an outside world with changes and, and many of us also want to make sure that those outside changes are accommodated in real time if possible. Isn't this a conflict, Stephen?
2: Uh, it, it is a conflict. Uh, I will say that probably five years ago for the city, we were looking at the, uh, the stability and predictability and we put a governance process in place, uh, which helped us prioritize, roadmap, streamline uh, technology priorities to support the business. Today, uh, the citizens that the city supports, they want services delivered quicker, faster. Um, They want their services delivered just like they got services delivered from a private sector. So the city, in a sense, has to start adjusting our thinking and being more like the private sector. And and the other piece to this is that the business now has they have more options, and the uh, historically the business relied on IT to tell them what their options were. Um, now you have a lot of uh, vendors approaching the business and and making them aware of different options, and and so if you're not if you're not being responsive. Uh, the business will find a way to get the work done to be optimized and in turn IT will lose credibility so 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 yes there there is a conflict there and so we need to figure out you know where is the middle ground where we can be predictable but then also be responsive to the to the business
1: so when there is a demand placed how is that demand actually being placed they say that okay you keep it stable but also uh Basically quickly turn around any change that is requested, or you are essentially offered some time some some uh, room, some wiggle room in order for you to be able to do things in a realistic manner
2: so so here 's what we 're doing. Uh, we have an enterprise architect on staff, and we 're just starting our enterprise architect practice. so what we want to do is really understand from all the businesses you know, what are their services they provide and what are their goals, and try to find commonalities. So that way uh, we can determine if we implement, for example, business intelligence, that will meet 10 of the businesses goals. You know what I'm calling businesses, I'm, departments I'm calling businesses. So then we can then focus on let's do this one thing and solve 10 problems at once, Um so that's the the enterprise architect side of it. The other side is the governance process that I put in that we put in place about five years ago. Uh, the departments have an opportunity to say, "We have this need. They fill out a business need statement. It goes to a governing board that looks at this need in comparison to other needs on our list of active projects, and we determine, is this more important than some of the other things?" What we recently added to our process about a year ago is saying let's put in interim solutions. So if there is an if it does not meet if it does not fall high on the list of priorities of our existing projects, potentially what we can do is provide a SaaS solution, software as a service, and and then get them through a a, a rough period until we can then go back later and dedicate resources to. Um, to really identify what is the the actual solution to their need versus a a, a SaaS solution that may meet you know fifty sixty seventy percent of their business needs.
1: Now, what I, what type of flexibility do you think since you've started your enterprise architecture group are you rebuilding or re envisioning the organization as a eight hundred pound gorilla, however it can dance or Do you want it to be stable first and then take on some incremental flexibility and turn away from the rest or say, okay, you get in line and we'll get to it when we can?
2: Uh, That's a good question. Um, About a year ago, uh, I started changing our messaging, and I, I did it with the staff. And we went through a SWOT analysis. We looked at what are our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats and then we had a, a, a discussion about what really are the priorities for IT because IT is a support organization to the business. IT is not a, a a out in front of the business. IT is really providing services to enable the business. And so we we came up with what we're, we're calling pillars because of all the different terminologies that folks use between objectives and goals. We said here's what we stand on. Number one is we want to enhance the customer experience. Number two, we want to make sure we we have positive employee experience so we can attract and retain staff. The third thing we said we want to focus on is one-city IT. And what that means is that uh, the way the city is currently structured is that there's multiple IT shops. I'm responsible for the majority of them, but then there's a couple that I'm not responsible for. And so what we want to do is, look at what's happening across the city is in an IT space and if another IT shop is doing something innovative, let's look to scale that. Let's not penalize them, but let's look to scale that idea across the city. And so that's the one for the IT. And then the fourth item is uh, the flexible sourcing, where we want to look at our staffing model. And the ideal there is to create time for staff to do innovative things. And so from flexible sourcing, and, and I'm sure I'll get into this more as we go through the interview, is let's look at alternate ways. Let's change up our model of how we traditionally do things. I think in the government space, traditionally you, you hire people, they do work, and, and and you don't really bring in a lot of contract staff unless you you need a specialist, a specialist to do something or you can't fill a position. And so I said, let's be purposeful with our, our our staffing model to really allow us opportunities to be innovative. So, so by changing our, our, our messaging and being very inclusive with it, it really helps drive the message that we are no longer a break-fix shop. We are a customer service shop, and then I think it helps – Folks to really go above and beyond to make sure we have a positive customer experience, and and so um, and the AE is part of that as well. The enterprise architecture practice is, is part of that as well. So you know we we we, we have the the uh, enterprise architecture just to kind of help us draw a target around what are the high impact things we can do. We have the governance to help with. Uh, everybody understands the process of getting things done. And now with our our, our new mission of, and vision of, you know, of uh, delivering high value customer service, um, it helps us to try to be more responsive and look at innovative ways to deliver things. Even if you do not fall high on the list with your request, there may be other things we can do to uh, make sure you have a positive experience and include us and your plans going forward.
1: Now, when you did talk about uh, your, your organization and staffing for the real, um, you know, the real things that you would want to do there, how much of that is being, as you mentioned, you want to be providing great customer service. How much of your attention is to taking the orders and executing them well versus leading the charge to take the business operations to the next level, leveraging what your strengths are?
2: Uh, well, another good question. The So realize we, we've just put this in place this year. We mm-hmm. started about a year ago of changing our mindset. And so um, we are probably 80, 85, 90% focused on the operation side, 10% focused on the, the project, um, the transformation side. And so... Uh, with our new focus, I think we 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 moved the line a bit, we moved the needle so that we are a little less operational, more um, transformative, more agile more um, you know aligned with the business and delivering services so today i I would say that we 're just now starting to make changes what we 've seen. Is that if we are not in the space of being aligned with the business and partnering, and I said this earlier, is that the business will figure out a way uh, with, with all the the SaaS solutions, that are the software as a service solutions and cloud solutions that are out there, they'll figure out how to how to go out and get the the services they need without us, and in turn, um, it diminishes the value that IT brings. So we also need to change who we are as an organization. If what the customer needs is a, a, what well, we're calling this a third party broker that we help you determine what those SaaS solutions are and those cloud solutions are, um, then they find value in that. And so that's how we have a positive customer experience. Not by being, you know, I, I, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and I know another CIO said that the CIO was also called the CI know. And that's not a space that CIOs want to be in. We do not want to be the no-guys anymore. We want to be how can we help, how can we provide value, how can we help you achieve your goals. Uh, I mean, another another CIO who I'm friends with, uh, he and I talk, and, and he said his customers' customers are his customers. And so he's even looking past the business and saying, you know, I need to prioritize, you know, what's important to my customers' customers' and that way I'll do a good job of delivering services to my my business partners. So I think that the 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 mindset is changing that we are looking to be more customer service less um you know but the, you know the way I refer to it is the, the the Henry Ford model is you can have any any color Model T you want as long as it's black. You know those those days are just they're they're gone and and there's options out there and and you need to be part of providing those options and those solutions to be of value to the business.
1: Now, every organization wants to be agile and also flexible. If you were to take the top three challenges that we must overcome in order to get there, what would those be?
2: Uh, the number one challenge I think with any change is culture. That um, I think especially in, in, in the government space, it may be outside of government as well, Is that there's a lot of um, turning you know trying to turn a big ship you know and it's sometimes it goes very slow so you have to overcome the culture change and I think that's one of the reasons when we changed our mission vision I was very inclusive by a lot you know having my team and my, my organization is about 300 people allowing as many of those folks who wanted to participate to be part of that SWOT analysis and then have them also identify goals for our pillars that I had, the four pillars I identified earlier, and, and having them be part of the action team. Okay, how do we solve this problem? How do we solve that problem? And by making folks part of the problem identification and part of the solution, that helps with the culture change. So to me, culture is number one. In the government space, the bureaucracy is is the other thing that, Becomes very challenging uh, in the private sector i I had seventeen years in a private sector in the private sector, if there's something you want to do, it's very easy to go out and say you know i'm going to buy this or i'm going to do a proof of concept and and you just do it in the government space, if a department wants something they goes they go through the the governance process. Then we have to go through a procurement process in which the council, city council, weighs in. Yes, we agree with this, or no, we agree with it. Um, but the procurement process also includes a competitive process that says, did we competitively bid this? Did we uh, include all the vendors? Did they have a fair shot at bidding on this? And 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 so then you have to go through a, a process of selecting, you know, who provides the best solution. Based on a matrix, and then you take it to the council and then you negotiate the contract and and so there's a there 's a lot of steps in the government space to to buy something or to do something different. Um, changing processes if we 're just changing a process we 're not buying anything then then that just that 's a cultural change, and that goes back to what I said earlier but if we 're trying to bring in new tools. Um, you know, government government typically lags because of the the bureaucracy that's put in place for the checks and balances to make sure there's fair practices uh, in place. Uh, so, go ahead.
1: Yeah, go Sorry. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: No, yeah, that's for three. I think the the two things that I mentioned to me are the biggest things. I mean, if I if I thought of a third one, you know, maybe it's really uh, building the relationship with the business and 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 I think. At times, that becomes challenging for for some IT organizations. For me, uh, luckily, that I've had a, a you know I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to really form good relationships with the business um, through our governance process that was put in place. I even created a a board, what I call it, the CIO Council, where I bring in these other IT shops, and you know we have a single strategic document that's out on the city of Austin's website, and and the message is really that even if we have a decentralized organization, we would like to have a centralized direction. So it appears from the outside that we are a, a single unit, uh, even if if you look at our organization structure, we are not.
1: So let's take a quick break, listeners. When we are back, let's talk about the different areas in which, if we did want to become flexible and agile, What's that blueprint? What is, what is the desired end state which we are working towards? If that could be defined properly, then, of course, the necessary steps, etc., can also be defined. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner.
3: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world change the way you predict manage and produce outcomes bosch connected manufacturing
0: hp is proud to sponsor this program If you have a question or comment, call toll free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, let's talk
1: about a blueprint or a holy grail that you would like to uh believe as a leader and of course your rest of the crew also believes is is what we should be pursuing. If that's clear, then your enterprise architecture team, the rest of the crew, and even the business leaders would start following that vision. So has that been laid out? And if yes, then what it is with respect to business operations? How flexible, how agile, and what would that mean?
2: So um, I will say that uh, the departments, the, the businesses first need to really understand what they're in their what what their services are and what is optimal for deli- for service delivery and then IT can plug in and 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 help with that and I will go and kind of give some examples I think the public safety folks they do an excellent job at the city of Austin they do an excellent job of understanding what their what their business is and and they have measurements They look at, you know, what is our response rate, Um, you know, what, you know, they they really use business analytics um, fully to look at, um, you know, what are the times of day, what are the days of week, what are the months that we typically see issues. And then they also know what part of town things typically happen so that they can stage vehicles in uh, those areas that would reduce their response time, and then they continue to drive to reduce those performance, you know, the, the the performance measures or the metrics, so that the response time is optimal. And so they partner with IT, and they and they want us to work with them to to, to deliver business intelligence tools to provide them predictive analytics tools. Um, so I think really uh, you know the blueprint is for the business to really understand and I think what the business would need to do is uh similar to the IT shop is to really have relationships with other similar organizations. Uh fortunately in a government space there's really not a lot of competition. There's as a matter of fact there's probably no competition. You know what San Francisco is doing something great or New York is doing New York City is doing something great. There's no competition where if I reach out and say, "Hey, can you guys give me some information?" They're more than willing to share information. So I think the businesses really need to look at some of their their um, their peers who are doing you know great things. They also um, and they need to benchmark where they're at. But once the business can put their arms around their service, their and their service delivery expectations, then IT can plug in and i t then can start to architect okay, how do we help you meet your needs? How do we help you get better faster? Uh, how do we help you um, you know I will say that Austin is is an interesting place because the citizens also know that this that Austin is a tech savvy city, so they expect more from the business as well. so the business not only needs to work with their counterparts but they also need to listen to the community. And understand what is it that the community expects, and 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 again, once they have that, it it is not in a place to really to go to the business and say, you know, we have this new widget that's going to help you do a better job. It's really the business has to say, I need to do a better job in this space. How can you help me? And that's where it plugs in and provides solutions. Um, you know, one of the things the city did, I think, about two years ago, we actually so. I'm the chief information officer. The city also hired a chief innovation officer. So they, uh, and the focus on that is really to have folks to start to think innovative and, and frame their, um their problems and, and, and really understand, you know, that there's, you know, let's break out of the paradigm of, you know, what's possible and, and, and really look outside and maybe even look at what the private sector is doing. and and try to mirror some of those things.
1: So if you have the chief innovation officer, that means the intent is there for the city to innovate, right, to get better at what they do. What has been the directive to that individual, and in relation to it, what has been asked of your department in order for you to be ready for?
2: Sure. So the innovation officer really has spent uh, most of her time educating the city on on innovation it's not coming up with um, not so much coming up with innovation innovative solutions where you know there's a solutions architect who's saying here 's a better way of doing x, y and z but it's really her her focus has been getting folks to really understand innovation understand a, a innovation methodology for problem framing um, to really Look at how do we solve problems versus you know a symptom of a problem, and so uh, and so she's really been on that side of things. I mean, one of the other challenges we've recently had was, uh, and that maybe not challenges, not the right word, but opportunity, is that we recently changed our council structure so that we were all at large council members today. Now we're all at, we're single district council members, so we had. Uh, different reporting now by districts Uh, and the uh, the innovation officer was part of onboarding this new council and and providing them with tools to help them understand what's happening in in their districts Um, so she and I we're we're aligned pretty much if there's a technology component to it I'll provide resources Uh, she and I you know we, we meet regularly to make sure we're in alignment um, but to your point, the reason the city hired an innovation officer was because the city wanted to be more innovative, and I think the steps we 're taking is you know let 's first educate folks on innovation and and how to start thinking um, how to start thinking in an innovative way uh, and then that way we get to the innovative solutions.
1: So if you went about talking to them, and, and on the other hand, you also see there are different technology changes that are happening around the world, right? I mean, in this, in the sense like you've got technology disruptions. People have been utilizing it in the private sector quite a bit, whether it's cloud, big data, even IoT, Internet of Things, and many other areas which actually have the potential to disrupt, fundamentally change the way business operations used to be run now how much of that has been taken into account by say our chief innovation officer and the government officials to say okay let us have technology drive what happens next in the in terms of the experience that we offer to our citizens
2: um, that's a good question so here's where i think it, here's where i think things need the way things i think things need to happen is that uh, you know, I talked about it earlier, where I think the businesses need to partner with their peers. I also believe the CIOs need to partner with their peer group, and uh, and and in doing so, I do have a lot of good relationships with CIOs from around the country, and it's not a problem for me to pick up a phone and say, "Hey, I have read something recently that you guys are doing something innovative in the permitting space," and. And so in turn, I can have this conversation. I think the other piece is to partner with the, the, the vendors. The vendors who are delivering solutions to the city, a lot of them are delivering solutions to the private sector. And so you have to have these relationships and, and what I also call partnerships that I don't, I'm not I'm a lot of times I'm not really interested in a vendor-customer relationship. I'm interested in a partnership where I can openly talk about challenges, issues, where I'm where I'm looking to go, strategic planning, and to be able to have the vendor community to say, okay, I understand what you're saying. Here's something that may be of interest. And it's not so much a sales a sales approach, but it's more of a you know a problem solving. And and I can give you a recent example is that I was talking to a a, a vendor who the city does business with and I was talking about A permitting permitting issue we have with our permitting process and I said it would be great if we could do something around you know a, a particular solution well the vendor comes back about a week or two later and he says hey I talked to our business units and they're able to do a proof of concept at no cost to the city to see if we can help you solve this problem and only thing we would ask is that we would be able to get some free press out of it so I, I, I really believe that um find out what's happening with your peers and and then also find out, you know, from the 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 partners you have with the vendor community, find out what they're doing in the private sector and, and what things they're working on and, and and be upfront about what your challenges are, be upfront about what your strategic direction are. And and, and so then you, you do form a partnership and sometimes there's there's no cost associated with it. It's it's press time that, that, you know, is all they were after is that if you could use our tools to do something innovative and, and we can go out and we can publish that, you know, that would be great. And so that helps us to stay innovative. Um, you know, the one thing that was interesting is that when we we brought in our innovation officer, I think the thought was that innovation was a big bang, that we had to do something that, that made a big splash. And by bringing in our, our innovation officer, really it was innovation is doing something, and the way the city defines it, is doing something different than the way you do it today. And it could be something small, could be something big. And it could be you know, borrowing a process or a, an ideal from a peer Um that you know maybe Chicago is doing something that the city of Austin is not, and we're able to say leverage something that Chicago is doing and bring it to the city. Well, that's innovative to the city because we were not doing that process a year, you know, a week ago. And so now, um, by framing what innovation is, it allows us to not just look for the big bang solutions, but also some incremental changes as well.
1: Now, when you look at the different areas, you did talk about the culture. You did talk about the people. To some extent, we also spoke about the technology. The value of this change that we are trying to bring about, which is the ROI, how is that being measured or being looked at? Because I'm sure there will be some costs that you will incur as part of uh, making all this happen. So we'll talk about this cost and ROI. So let's take a, a quick break. We'll take a minute to think about it and let's dive into why would someone go about changing the way business operations are or reintroduce flexibility and agility in a business operations? What's the what's the overall value that we will get out of it and does that trump the cost and for it to make make a business sense? Please stay tuned, listeners, we'll be right back.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud.
3: Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash Connected Manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Joke All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All.
1: Welcome back. So we are wanting to have the elephant dance, but there's a cost to it. So when we look at the ROI, the dreaded questions for many and welcome questions for others, what is the situation with the, the city of Austin here? Would you think that innovation is welcome and any and all costs related to it as long as it is justifiable? It is uh, accepted since the tax dollars are at stake here.
2: Yeah, those are these are uh these are very relevant topics. Um the way uh the way we work at the city is that uh and this is through our governance process, there's a business needs document that gets created and in this business needs, you know, it talks about is there a legal requirement on why we're doing this? Is there a um a council mandate or resolution ordinance? Is there something that's driving us to do this this uh, implementation? Uh, and then it also gets to, is this scalable to multiple departments? It gets into, is this a, um, a revenue generating solution? And then it gets into, what is the return on investment? So we take a lot of things into consideration from the legal perspective all the way down to the ROI, and that helps us prioritize how we spend the taxpayer dollars uh, to help better deliver services to the citizens. Um, what we don't do, and, and we're just now starting to talk about this, is to go back, you know, a year, two years, three years down the road and determine, did we actually do what we say we were going to do? Did we, you know, if the ROI said that uh, we're going to reduce, you know, our overhead by 20%, did we actually do that? Uh, unfortunately, you know today, with the as fast as things are changing, uh, we have not put a process in place to go back and validate the ROI. We're constantly looking forward and and looking at okay, what's next on the list, and how many you know how do we go forward to implement projects? Um, so so we do the ROI up front, but we don't have a, a checks and balance mechanism in place today that says, did we actually achieve the ROI? Um, I think what we do is we look at, we do surveys and we, we poll the, the citizens. And if the citizens feel they're getting better service delivery, we poll the businesses from an IT standpoint. And if they feel that they're getting good support and services from the IT shop, then then we kind of move on. And so we we then look at okay what what is next in the pipeline, but, but we we obviously know that's on our radar is to figure out a, a piece um, that allows us to validate and verify that we're spending the taxpayers' dollars wisely and, and we're we're meeting the commitment when we were approved to go forward to spend the money.
1: Now. One is to have a predictable operation, which is, which is the traditional approach to how any organization has been operating. Lately, because of disruptions, because of the fast-moving world, external to our business or our enterprise, we are supposed to become agile and nimble to keep pace with what's happening. Now, all of that said, we definitely have our IT and other ideas, but we are dealing with real people and real assets here, which also need to be shifted around or moved around. So what would you think, in your context, is the type of movement needed for you to say, okay, this is the heavy lifting we are to do up front in order for us to have semblance of a transformed organization or a flexible or an agile organization?
2: Oh, very good. So uh, as I was discussing... Um earlier about our pillars. There was one of the, the pillars that really talks to this, and it talks about flexible sourcing. Uh, that's important for two reasons. Um, reason number one is that if we change our staffing, and you know, as I said earlier, that our majority of our staff looks at uh, operations, and there's a small portion that looks at transformation, innovation. And we need to change our staffing model, and and the staffing model says, let's do managed services, let's do, um, um, you know, temps and contractors on some of the routine operations work. So the operation work doesn't go away. It's just not being done by the staff we have on hand. And so then the staff we have on hand, we now move the needle that says the majority of the work is you know, maybe it's 50/50. That 50% of the staff is continuing to work on operations, and 50% of the staff now is working on transformational innovation type of initiatives to better deliver service to the the the, the business. Um, the second reason we did that is because of the the aging workforce. And at some point, the, the the baby boomer generation is going to exit the workforce, and as Austin and I think, and when I talk to my peer group, I think this is happening across the country. Is that the number of IT individuals are becoming less, and so uh, so then if you're not going to be able to backfill folks when when the baby boomers exit the workforce, then you need to figure out a different model. And so we're starting that now by introducing this flexible sourcing model and. We're not calling it we purposely didn't call it outsourcing. we were calling it flexible sourcing uh, that which would allow us to expand and contract to help us manage a lot of the operations, some of the routine type of work and allow staff i mean the staff really wants to be innovative, they just don't have the time to be innovative, and so you have to create that time and so um I think that is the first big piece is you have to change the mindset that it's okay to be innovative. Uh, it's okay to let go some of the the um, the operational routine work and, and trust that it'll get done by somebody else. And so we've actually started looking at uh, across the different areas of my department. You know what is the routine work that can be done by somebody else that can be done more efficiently. Um, you know the way IT is. is, is you know as I talked about a lot of the operational work. It's really the individuals work on multiple platforms. And so they're really not specialized in any one area. But now if we look at the flexible sourcing model and we come up with managed services, now we have experts to work on a specific area. And and those experts in turn would tell us what are best practices, You know, what are some configurations that we should be turning on that we have not turned on. Um, and, and so I think it, that becomes a benefit as well but, but the bigger benefit is that it allows us to be more responsive to the customer, to the business.
1: When you did paint this vision uh, for your team and also for the stakeholders, working perhaps with your chief innovation officers and other stakeholders, what was the, the pushback or what, what you have to deal with in terms of changes of perception?
2: I will say the biggest pushback came from my team early on. And and that's why I said we were purposeful not to say outsourcing. Because as soon as you talk about that, it immediately sounds like people's jobs are going away. And and what you have to really communicate is that there's more work than people. We have, uh, if you look at our backlog of of initiatives and and how fast we can get to those things, it's it's just, you know, we won't run out of things to do for a long time. So, so the staff on hand really was, uh, you know. And then we had to be careful with the words we use. Not only uh, do we not use outsourcing, but we also could not say that the work you do today is not important. And so we had to talk about doing, you know, you know, high value or or innovative things. So we really had to to message um, the staff. The staff, my staff is, you know, I have a probably very tenured staff. And they come to work, they know what their day is going to be like, and they go home um, but uh, there are folks who they they like the routine work, but there's the, the other the other side of that is that there are folks who like the innovative side, and they get frustrated when they feel we 're not delivering the innovative solutions that we're continuing to deliver um, on the operational side, and not on the transformation and innovation side. So, so that was the first hurdle. I, when we went and we, we we posted this, the very first thing on our on our pillars is the customer service. And so the the, the stakeholders really embraced it because they felt, okay, I get it. You are looking at that that your priority is me. And then they get to the other pieces. You know, they look at the employees and the, the the flexible sourcing. But the very first thing that stands out is that you know the customer experience is number one. And we bear, we simplified our vision. Our vision says to be the strategic IT business partner of choice. And then our mission says is to provide excellent customer service experience and deliver innovative business technology solutions. So when they look at the the first couple lines that people see. It talks all about the customers and the stakeholders, so that was not as hard a sale as the internal staff
1: so in, in, a, in a in a world where you have multiple stakeholders and people all coming together um, and and you you said that there is a culture which plays a big role. What is it that you feel you have to do as a leader in order for you to uh, rein all of them in but not rein them basically, basically perhaps could, this could be a wrong term to use but more lead them as a Pied Piper so that they voluntarily tweak what they do in a given day and what they think they should be doing in a given day and follow.
2: Uh, so here's what I think ha- needs to happen and it seems to work for me right now is that I'm very inclusive that I don't um, I will say r- early on in my career I felt that uh, I could bring in my executive team and we could my direct reports and we could sit down and we could talk about the problems in the organization and and, and, a, and a one day identify how we could solve all the problems and then we would go out and, and, and broadcast here's our goals for the next year here's how we're going to solve all the problems nobody bought into it because they didn't understand how we got to that point and so, um, so now I'm very inclusive that we bring in the stakeholders, we bring in the the, the staff, and we make them part of the the process. And even the the, the whole governance process was something that I brought forward um, when it first came in place. I know some of, some of the the staff felt that I was giving up part of my authority as the CIO, and it's like no, I'm. I'm building relationships, because now I have the business sitting at the table with me, helping me prioritize what the business needs are. It's no longer just the CIO meeting with the budget folks, um, trying to build a puzzle, trying to figure out how much money do I have to spend this year, what can I do with it, and based on a list of 100 requests that I got, which of these are more important than the others? And so now, by being inclusive and bringing the stakeholders to the table, it's um, it's it, it, it helped me uh, a lot to to steer the direction we're going. It built it builds trust that I'm looking out for the best interest of the business, and I'm not looking out at what is the new technology. Uh, regardless, of, you know, I'm not I don't have a technology looking for a problem, and so. In turn, I'm really listening and focused on what the business is trying to do, and I'm trying to bring innovative solutions to the business to help them achieve achieve their goals. So the relationship to me was was really important.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners, and we'll be right back because definitely, Stephen, you've given a lot of uh, input regarding different areas. Let's talk about, when we come back, about, say, a playbook for Optimizing the business operations for that real time reaction if needed based on uh, what the world outside is doing of the organization. So this is important for all of us since one is to talk about ideas in a in a scattered manner, another is to say talk about a playbook, and if, if you had to do it all over again, Stephen, what would you have done differently? Let's incorporate all of that in our final segment. Please stay tuned, listeners.
3: We'll be right back. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing.
0: HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All.
1: Welcome back. So let's talk a playbook, uh, Stephen, about what would it take for a business operation to suppose there was another state. Or city that was trying to go through this, or even for that matter, commercial organization. And if they wanted to optimize their business operations to be ready uh, to to change on a dime, how would you do it, that?
2: Yeah, here's what I would do. I would start if um, so. If I had a do-over, uh, I would probably look at trying to mirror the the private sector um, and really look at. Um, I know that the the private sector they're they're really worried about the or they're focused on the bottom line. And and maybe we're not so much focused on the bottom line, but we're focused on the customer service delivery. So I would really try to organize and structure and, and, and change the mindset to be that like a private organization that if we don't if we don't deliver, we could potentially lose the business. Um so that would be one thing. The, the the other piece is I would I would I would also I think the IT governance piece was big for me, that it built the relationships with the business, that the business feels that they have a voice. In the past it was very adversarial. And so I, I think having a, a, a process in place that allows the business to be part of the decision process. Um number one, it, it helps message to the 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 folks with the money. But then it also creates a a trust between the CIO and the business. The the third thing is, and maybe it ties to the first thing about running like the private sector, is looking at customer relationship roles in your organization. How do you really understand, uh, you know, how do you really understand what the business needs uh, and what their goals are and and how to help them better deliver services and and and, and if you had that role in place you potentially could be more proactive with your recommendations versus uh reactive that the business is always coming to you and say okay I got this problem how can you help me and, you know if you were if you had these uh, customer relationship management folks in place they may allow a lot of the information to be viewed at their level and be able to bring information back without the business bringing it back. And so then in turn, the, the customers really do have a good customer experience because we're being proactive in delivering solutions. Um, and I'm in the process of, of putting that in place now is looking at the customer relationship piece. Um, but, I, but I do think that we need to, and, and so by doing that, um, it allows us to be more responsive. And the other thing we're doing, and I touched on it earlier, is we're trying to become the third uh, party buyer agent for the for the business. So there's you know there's a potential of you know let's strip away some of the bureaucracy that if we can deliver solutions faster, agile, and be flexible, and and go out and buy these software as a service solutions for the business. Um, and then the, one of the examples I got is, you know, Public Works, they're, they're pretty good about what they do at the City of Austin. They understand. They look at their business. They went out and said, hey, we need a, a GIS solution to shows us a map of all the work we're going to do so that way we can follow. Um, we can approach it in a systematical order that's very efficient. So we're not going in one area, tearing up the streets, and a week later we come back and we tear the streets up again. So... They wanted a, a GIS solution. We didn't have one, but we worked with them, allowed them to go out, and, and, and we helped them get a software-as-a-service solution to bring in this GIS tool that met 60%, 70% of their needs. In the background, we started building a, a custom solution that had more functionality, that really uh, delivered 100% of what they needed. And so they stayed on that at that fast solution for a short period of time, we then rolled rolled on rolled them over onto this the solution we built and in turn they had a positive experience. They got what they needed at the time they needed it and then later on they got a more robust solution um, that the city developed for them. So I, I think you know those things, you know, looking at how do you become a, a third party buyer agent, looking at you know the customer relationship management piece, the relationship with the business is important, and then also you know looking at uh, I, realizing that there is competition out there in the government space it's not uh, the the uh, government i t is not the only option anymore
1: One final uh, statement from you or as a message for other leaders who are attempting to change uh, their ship and get their elephant to dance.
2: I would say um, two things, partner with the business, um, well, three things. Partner with the business, partner with the vendor community to really understand what their product roadmaps are and have them really understand what your business needs are. And then the third thing is to be inclusive with your staff because a lot of great ideals come from inside your organization the organization- The staff themselves do not always feel empowered to bring ideals forward, and so you have to break that break down that barrier that you know you, you may get you know twenty bad ideals before you get one good one, but that one good idea you get is going to be very valuable so I, I would just say that um you know make sure that you 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 have a good relationship with your team that you you encourage them to innovate. And you work to um, not talk about just being innovative in the off hours, but create time so they can be innovative while they're on the clock at the city.
1: On behalf of our show and our listeners, uh, I'd really like to thank you, Stephen, for sharing your thoughts on how an organization can optimize its own business operations and that to make it available so that this operational change can be made in real time. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: And listeners, hope you liked it. Please like us on Facebook, uh, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, and please join our monthly newsletter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care, and God bless.
0: Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show,